good to see you this morning. And as Mark said, we're talking about relational renewal. The church that we see being family, growing in God and being drawn into community. Why do we believe family and relationships within the church are so important? Why do we want to call people to relational renewal beyond attending a, a Sunday service? And really, I think it comes down to this belief that even though faith is personal, that, me, that doesn't mean that we should ever be isolated or independent or alone from other believers. You know, God calls us to life with one another. For those of you who don't know, I enjoy running. I know you might be thinking that's just crazy, who would enjoy running? But it's given me endless illustrations for preachers, so this might be the first of of many. But before moving to Milton Keynes, I only ever used to run on my own. Um, There was a guy in our church in his 70s, and he used to keep asking me, do you want to go for a run with me? And I knew that if I went for a run with him, I'd just be like 10 meters behind because he was super fit. So I just kept putting him off. Wednesdays and Mondays and Wednesdays, he said, do you want to come for a run? And I'd be like, not really. Um, but when lockdown hit, I, before lockdown, sorry, I used to play football some days, run other days. And then when lockdown hit, football stopped. Um, and so I thought, I'm going to use this opportunity to focus on my running. And, you know, that, that daily exercise that we were given, I, I kind of thought, yeah, I'm going to focus on my running. It was a good opportunity to get out into nature, to get some fresh air, to get away from the screen and the kids. Um, and so I was going running more frequently, and I started somehow in enjoying it. So we moved to Milton Keynes in December, and I was exploring the redways, running around the lakes, discovering a new area. And then I got this message one day from Ollie Kiff, our worship pastor, who's playing the drums this morning. And he said, do you want to go for a run? Do you want to go for a 10K? And I was like, not really. Um, but I procrastinated a little bit, and then I eventually text back and said, yeah, go on then. Um, but I'll be honest, I didn't want to. Because I knew I could do it. But I also knew how I felt when I'd run 10K. And it's easy to put that on social, on your running social media when you've recovered, when you've had a shower and you're feeling good again. But when you're running with someone, you have to show them that side of you. You know, they see the sweat. They see the huffing and the puffing. They see the moments when you just want to give up because you've had enough. And I was like... I don't know if I want to show someone that. I'm quite happy to run on my own. But eventually I thought I can't put him off any longer. So I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for this run. And we went for a run and amazingly managed to chat all the way around. Well, I let Ollie chat and I just listened because I was catching my breath. Um, And it felt all right. It was good. And that was something I would never have been able to do before. Then a couple of weeks later, we'd been doing this and I get this Next, other text message, and I've started to dread these messages, right? And this one said, do you want to go a bit further tomorrow? I was like, okay, and then how, what does further mean? Nine miles. Nine miles? We went for a run, it ended up being ten because we got lost, and we did it. And I was like, I would have never have done that before. 
Then another message comes through. Fancy a half marathon? Not really. But somehow my, my fingers started typing Y-E-S. Like, what am I becoming? And we did it. He trained me. He like, helped me journey up to it and work up to it. And we did it even with a sprint finish at the end. And I thought, I'd have never done that before. Then this next message comes by and it's fancy doing a 25-mile run. And I'm like, no, we haven't done that yet. But I tell you that because I am absolutely certain that I would have never done that on my own. Yet, I would have called myself a runner. It took someone else to come alongside, to cheer on, to equip, to encourage, to spend time together in order to go further. And I think so often that's an illustration of how we do life with God. You know, maybe you, like me, wrestle with those feelings of inadequacy at the thought of inviting other people into your life because to do so would mean being vulnerable. It would mean showing them the bits that perhaps you don't want them to see, the sweat. You know, it would mean showing them reality. I think we could be honest. I so many times would project some form of what I'd like people to think reality is. You know, we've had, because we can at the moment, my parents have come to stay and they came on Friday. And before they arrive, we're running around the house like mad things, hoovering up, you know, picking up the kids' toys, trying to make it all look tidy, picking up the kids, trying to make them look all tidy. And, and the door knocks and my parents are there and we go from like mad things to, ah, oh, isn't it great to see you? You know, we've got friends who used to employ a cleaner and they used to clean their house before the cleaner came so that the cleaner thought their house was clean. You know, we, we want people to have a certain view of ourselves. We want, in that, my illustration, I want people to think, actually, life's quite tidy. And it's not always. But I think we have to learn, if we're going to walk together with one another, to invite people into that. To say, this is, this is reality. To say, we don't always get it right. We're not always perfect. But I truly believe we will grow more in our faith in Jesus Christ as disciples when we are vulnerable, when we open up, when we connect not just with our strengths but our weaknesses and we journey this thing called faith together. Now this is important to me because I still run on my own. In the week, I run on my own. In the weekends, I run with other people. I cannot delegate my physical fitness to someone else. I can't sit on a chair and say, Ollie, just go for a run for me, will you? And then I'll take the credit. I'll, I'll get fit from you running. I can't do that. And equally, I don't believe we can delegate the responsibility of our phys- uh, spiritual fitness to someone else as well. But I do recognize that my physical fitness, and I believe our spiritual fitness, is improved by running with others. And I want to take two moments from Scripture just to try and illustrate this this morning. The first is the calling of the first disciples, and the second is the forming of the first church. 
So Matthew 4, Jesus calls his first disciples. If you want to follow, I'm going to read from verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. These first disciples have an encounter. They're presented with a question that then demands a response. Because Jesus says to them, come, follow me. And they have to respond to that because for them, it was actually Jesus standing in front of them asking that question. If they didn't respond, it would be a bit rude, wouldn't it? But he says, come, follow me. And they have to respond. And for these fishermen, the call to follow Jesus was to pursue the physical, walking, talking son of God. That meant leaving their nets, their occupations, what they knew. For James and John, it means leaving their father, Zebedee, and their business, leaving the old ways and going after this Jesus, giving their life to him. You know, the first call of discipleship is a call to relationship. It has to start with personal renewal. It's a call to follow Jesus. Each one of us has a race to run in pursuit of Jesus, and we cannot delegate that responsibility. But the call to run, the call to follow, was also a call to run with other people, to work out together what following this Jesus looked like. Because he called them together. He called them to sit at his feet. He gathered them. He ate with them. He taught them. He invested in them. He rebuked them. He um, put them in situations where their faith would be stretched. They did life with their teacher, with their master, with their friend, with their rabbi, with Jesus. And that's what following him meant and looked like. It's more clearly seen, I think, when Jesus calls Matthew, the tax collector, in Matthew chapter 9. And again, there's an encounter. There's a question, come follow me. Matthew immediately responds, follows Jesus. But the very next thing we read about in that account is Matthew, the disciples, Jesus, the tax collectors, and a load of sinners sitting around and eating together. Encounter, response, community. If Matthew was going to be a disciple, it was clear that he had to follow Jesus along with Peter, James, John, Andrew, and the others. It wasn't a solitary journey. So two questions for us today. First, have you responded to the call of Jesus to come and follow him? And if you have, who are you following with? Who are your fellow disciples Who are you figuring out what pursuit of Jesus looks like in this day and age with? Because we want to call everyone here at MKCC into discipleship relationships. Into genuine, honest, vulnerable, fun friendships and relationships where we all grow together in maturity. 
And we have and we will have different vehicles where this can happen. You know, for me, I absolutely believe in one-on-one relationships to help us grow in God. I have benefited from that so many times in my life, of people investing, encouraging, speaking into my life, challenging me when I've stepped out of line. And I believe, if you want to grow, I believe that's such a good place to start, inviting someone into your life, but then also being that person to someone else, because we're called to be a disciple, but we're also called to make disciples. And I believe that's achievable for every single one of us. You don't need a degree in theology in order to make disciples. But on from that, what would it look like if we gathered in threes, fours, fives, little, you know, not a life group, but like a huddle of people just meeting up, hanging out, and we bring Jesus into the midst of that conversation I met some guys yesterday I hadn't seen for ages and we picked up from where we left off. Um, I got to where they were sitting to the table and it got a bit deep quite quickly because they said, do you think we're in the end times? And I was like, oh, nice to see you too. Yeah, but what if, if in those conversations, in those friendships, we just bring Jesus in and we say, what does it look like? What are you struggling with? How are you doing? Life groups are places where we can have family, where we can study God's word, where we can worship together, where we can grow in God. And serving in a team is the same, you know. Just as I was sitting down there in this service, I thought, the guys that have been in this place, just just in this place today, worship team, production team, first impressions team, kids team, um, refresh team, all these guys. And between the services, I went out and the first impressions guys were out the front and they were just laughing together. They were having a good time. They, were, they had a role, a responsibility, but there was community. And it's in those places we can grow in our walk with God as well. Now, obviously, I'd love if every single one of us did all of those things. One-on-one, small group of people, life groups, serving. But I also recognize that as the world opens up again, there are more and more pressures on our time, aren't there? You know, we're navigating different things and changes in circumstances. You know, maybe you say there's lots of excuses, valid and maybe less valid reasons. that I don't know if this is for me. But can I say this to us all? You may not be able to do all of those things. But I think it's achievable for all of us to do at least one of those things. To find one place or two places where you can connect into relationship with other believers in order that you both grow in your walk with Jesus. We're going to fast forward a bit from the call of the first disciples to the forming of the first church in Acts chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles with you. The Jesus they left, for, they left everything for. Things have changed. So much has changed in between these two, two moments. They left everything for, to follow this physical Jesus, but then he has been crucified. Hope is diminished until three days later he rises from the grave, signaling that sin is forgiven and death is defeated. And this is important, really important, because the call to follow Jesus was now not just a call to follow the walking, talking son of God. 
but it was a call to follow the risen and ascended king who has made now a way for all people to be restored to relationship with God. You know, today is a fantastic day. It's Pentecost Sunday. Churches around the world are celebrating an encounter that demanded a response that birthed a family. Because the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem in an upper room and just as they'd been told to by Jesus in Luke 24, 49, wait, he said, till the coming of the Holy Spirit. And they're waiting. They're waiting, maybe some of them with anticipation, maybe with expectation, but maybe some of them are waiting with uncertainty and even disappointment. But they wait. And then on this day, God moves. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled So the disciples had followed the physical Jesus, they'd followed the risen and ascended Jesus, and now God was not just with them, God by his Holy Spirit was in them. They have this amazing, miraculous moment of encounter. And what do they do? Because encounter always demands response. They go from that place where they were waiting. Peter preaches a blinder. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, he speaks Jesus who died and rose again. And the disciples, in effect, they go out and make disciples as he's commissioned them to do. They call others to encounter, to respond and to be part of the family of God. The Bible says in verse 37 of Acts 2 that the people there were cut to the heart. I think that's kind of biblical language for saying the Holy Spirit was moving. Peter says, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And there's God's moving in their midst. And they say, what do we do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that promise is for you, it's for your children, and it's for those who are far off. You see, following Jesus was now not limited to those who called first century Judea their home. Following Jesus, the mandate now was that the good news could spread to the whole world, to Judea, to Samaria, and the ends of the earth, through a community of disciples who encountered and responded. And what do we read next? What's the next thing we read? It's Acts 2, 42 to 47. Billy read it last week. They start a community. They form as a family. Just notice the kind of relational, the sense of interdependent relationships and community as I read this today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God together and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These disciples modeled what Jesus had modeled to them. Encounter, response, community, doing life together. And I love that term, he called them to fellowship. Growing up in the church, to me, fellowship with a a cup of tea and a biscuit after the service. And I remember my parents chatting away to everyone and I was like, we're going home soon. But the, the word translated fellowship from the Greek is koinonia and it's much deeper um, than a tea and a biscuit At its heart is participation sharing in something taking an active role this church was a tight-knit community of believers dedicated followers of Christ undergirding all of it was Jesus's command to love one another and what makes all of this hang together because Let's be honest, our ability to love is, is flawed. What makes it all hang together? What's the driving force that made these believers free from their possessions and eager to meet needs, full of gladness and generosity and prayer and praise when they ate together day by day? The indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. I read this quote and jotted it down last night because it, John Stott, great theologian and writer said this without the Holy Spirit Christian discipleship would be inconceivable even impossible there can be no life without the life giver no understanding without the spirit of truth no fellowship without the union of the spirit no Christ likeness of character apart from his fruit and no effective witness without his power we need the Holy Spirit We need a relational renewal. Fast forward from Acts 2 to today, and so much has changed. The church has expanded. The church has grown. The church has reformed. The church has changed. The church has gone to the ends of the earth. But what if the call to us today as the family of God was still the same? A call to encounter, to respond and to do life together as family. What a picture of God's heart would that be to the world. I'm going to ask the band to come up because we've deliberately today wanted to give a time to say, God, we want to encounter you. This Pentecost Sunday to pray a a prayer that's been prayed and echoed throughout the history of the church. Come, Holy Spirit. Now, if you're watching online today, I don't know about you, but when I'm watching online, I can get a bit distracted. God's not surprised by technology. Um, He can work, even if we're watching online. And I encourage you to set aside any distraction and pray, come Holy Spirit, as we gather and worship and pray that in the room as well. So, can I ask you to stand? We used the word vulnerability earlier and that was, you know, in terms of being vulnerable to one another, but sometimes I think we need to open ourselves up to God as well and say to God, I'm I'm open. I want to hear your voice. I want to encounter you. Give me the boldness and courage to respond when you say go.
when you call me, when you challenge me. Give me the boldness and courage to respond to your voice. Let's just pray that prayer today. Holy Spirit, come. Would you pour out your spirit on us today? We long for an encounter. Do what you want to do in my life and in our life and in this church today, I pray. Across the day today, we've been, you know, worshipping and asking God to speak and um, sensed in different services. We've been saying different things and, you know, just as we were praying then, I did have a strong sense that that illustration of not wanting to let people in resonates with so many of us that we actually actively don't do community because of that feeling and I believe God wants to pour his spirit out on you this morning and the word I wrote just as we started our service today was surrender because surrender means that God I give it to you and maybe that's you today can I ask you can I encourage you I don't know how you would you know, for me, a posture of surrender is going like that. It might be kneeling down, but to say, God, I give it to you. I'm not going to hold control over that any longer. I give it to you. And Lord, I pray, whoever that might be today, might be many of us, I pray that you would do a deep work in their life. And Lord, we recognize we all need to surrender, to follow you to lay down our ways and to follow yours. And as we respond to your voice today, Lord, give us a boldness to go from this place to put into practice what you're challenging us by your spirit. Take a moment today to surrender before him afresh. Holy Spirit, would you fill me afresh today? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit.